Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I'm trying something new. I got two cameras plus this thing going all live right now. And uh, I'm, I'm, ooh, I'm experimenting with all this crazy technology and everything. But I, this is the Shepherd's Herald. And I'm going to come at you today on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it always. We are still most certainly in the season of Easter. And so he is risen he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The readings for this, the third Sunday in Easter, they're filled with all sorts of excellence, excellent material, man. It, there's so much meat here. Um, you could preach a whole sermon series and then some on the material that we have here. And, you know, we got the first one is taken from Acts 9, 1 through 22. This is the call of Saul who becomes Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. We got Revelation 5, 1 through 14. This is a picture of the other side of the ascension. We have Jesus as the conquering hero. That's what I'm specifically going to be focusing on today. And then in John 21, you got the great uh, catch of fish. Uh, this is the second time really in, in the Gospels that there's a great catch of fish. Um, John uses this one as Jesus reveals himself for the third time to his disciples after the resurrection. And in the great catch of fish, Peter and the rest of them are reminded, oh my God, this is the Lord. This is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to really focus on the epistle lesson from Revelation 5, 1 through 14. And what we have here in chapters 4 and 5 is the greatest ascension text in all of Scripture. We see the other side of the ascension. John, as you know, was singularly blessed. He was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw the transfigured Christ. He got a glimpse of that glory, the true nature of Jesus Christ, as being both very God, a very God as well as man. He was there on the Mount of Calvary, and he was the only one of the male disciples that came back and witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He was blessed to be at the Mount of Ascension, where with his earthly eyes, along with the rest of the disciples, he saw the risen Lord rising up into the clouds, disappearing, and his glory being hidden from them in the clouds. And now, in Revelation, he is on the Mount of Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the eternal, eternal court of God. And there he sees the other side of the, of the ascension, what he could not see with his human eyes, from his human perspective, veiled in this flesh of sin and death. But now, by the grace of God, being caught up in heaven, being caught up in the heavenly counsel of God, and seeing the risen and ascended victorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So listen to this other side of the ascension, this, this great victory and this great hope and peace and assurance that we have been given through this revelation this revelation of scripture, we're going to be talking about and unpacking what is going on here in this epistle text for this coming weekend. So this is what it says. 
Then I, John saying this, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written on the front and on within and on the back. So front and back, both sides of the scroll were completely written on. And the scroll was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel, also translated as the mighty angel, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and break its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and amongst the elders I saw a lamb standing as though he had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down and they worshipped the lamb, each holding a harp and seven and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language, from every people and every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice with many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands upon thousands, saying together with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped before him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So what do we got going on in here? It's not like the dispensationalists, millennialists, and others say. This is not a literalistic interpretation of scripture. This is a literal interpretation, meaning that this is apocryphal literature. This is a literature of a genre known as apocryphal literature. So there is great symbolism that is mentioned in this in all of these passages in the entire book of Revelation. Seven, for example, has great significance. Seven is the number of perfection, perfect completion. The perfect completion and perfection of Trinity. The perfect completion and, and perfection of the covenant. The fulfillment of the new covenant, the establishment and the fulfillment of the new covenant shed in the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We see him having these seven heads, seven eyes. He's all-seeing. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He has a perfect vision. He has perfect power and might. And he looks as a lamb who was slain. John falls down at his feet in fright. He's frightened by this sight. And yet the right hand 
reaches out and touches him on the shoulder and says, Fear not. Immediately, John knew this was the risen and ascended, victorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the conquering hero. He conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered Satan once for all, so that we may be justified freely by grace, through faith, apart from any kind of boasting works on our part, our choice, our reason, our decision, or anything else. And so we see this image of a huge scroll written on both sides and having seven seals. What is this talking about? This is the full, complete revelation of God. This is the Bible. This is all of Scripture. This is all of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation. Remember, John said Jesus is the Logos, the Word of God. The Word of God made flesh, by whom all things were made. Jesus is the only one who could open his word up and reveal it to all people, of all tribes, of all languages, of all nations. Nobody else is worthy. Nobody else could break the seals and reveal the word of God. Our great high priest, prophet, and king, he alone, the conquering hero alone, is the one that is worthy to break open the scrolls. And the father hands him the scroll with his mighty right hand and says, My son, I welcome you home. I welcome you home as the conquering hero. Sit here by my right side. Take my word and reveal it. Break the seals. See, in the ancient Near Eastern world, only the kings or officials from the king could break the seals that were originally put on there in wax with with a stamp, and that was it. Only the king or to whom it was sent was able to break the seals under penalty of death. Jesus is the only one in heaven and on earth and under the earth that can break those seals. And through breaking those seals, the seven seals of the perfect covenant of God, he reveals his perfect good will to all men. He is telling us our story of how we fell into sin. And what he has done is doing and will continue to do for our full and our free justification, our free salvation through the vicarious atonement of Jesus Christ on that cross of Calvary and in his glorious resurrection. John was in Patmos. He was in the island of Patmos. He was in exile. This was a mining colony. He was sent there to die. First, the Romans tried to boil him in oil, and somehow that didn't go. It was a miraculous salvation, uh, a miracle of God. John lived. They didn't know what to do with him, so they sent him to exile on Patmos. There he was to die. The problem was he didn't die. He just continued to grow old. And he needed comfort and assurance, and, and same thing with the seven churches of which he was the pastor at Ephesus, that, he re, that they needed comfort. They were undergoing persecution. They needed to know that Jesus was large and in charge, and that their faith was not worthless, that it was not in vain, that they were not suffering in vain. And so what we see in the book of Revelation is not a zombie apocalypse of hoodoo guru, sin and death. Now it is for Satan. It is for his minions. It is for the apostates, church. It is for unbelievers, those who re willingly reject the objective justification already won for them by the death and resurrection of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
But for the believers, for those of us who by grace through faith believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, my Lord and my God, as we heard Thomas proclaim on Sunday, for you and I, this is gospel. This is gospel. This is the victory of our reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the conquering hero. And throughout all of Scripture, throughout all of the book of Revelation, what do we see? We see the church triumphant. We see the Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, reigning forever and ever. And in this text, this gospel lesson, we hear the heavenly to damn Ladamos being son. Oh, come, let us worship the Lord. Let us bow down and kneel before the God, our maker. And we see the second, the third, and the fourth verses of this Te Deum. Worthy are you to take up the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. That's verse 2. Verse 3 is, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Handel takes this. A lot of his Alleluia chorus and a lot of his Messiah is taken right here from the words of Scripture, and especially in Revelation 5 and Revelation 7, again in Revelation 21 and 22. We see the heavenly Te Deum Ladamus being sung, and Handel puts it to music that we relate to, and the Messiah is sung out. Anyway, verse 4 then is to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. That's, that's what we see in Revelation. We see in chapters 10 through 13 a recommissioning of the church of God on earth, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of harassment, even in the face of death itself. We are commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that Jesus Christ taught us. And he is with us always, even till when? The very end of the age. And that is exactly what Revelation is talking about here. It is talking about the very end of the age, the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he will come back to judge the living and the dead. And we will be taken into that kingdom and we will stand beside his right hand in judgment with him over this fallen earth. Over Satan, the red dragon. Over the beast out of the sea, the Antichrist. It is politics and all governments set up in opposition to Jesus Christ. The beast from the land, the Antichrist, that is the apostate church and all false religions that lead us away from Jesus Christ and turn our eyes to put them back on that beast out of the sea. He will judge the Jezebels, those who are apostate, those who have slept with false gods, the syncretists and others, the Balaamites, the Nicoletians, those who have made accommodations with culture in order to avoid persecution. And water down the gospel. Add to it. Subtract from it. In chapter 22, Jesus himself says, Anyone who adds to the words of this book or subtracts from it, let the curses that are mentioned therein be unto them. 
We are not to change the revealed word of God. Revelation is heavy. We've been teaching it, I've been teaching it, and going through it on a class for almost the better part of the last year. It's a fascinating study, and it's been very well received. People have lots of questions. They have always looked at this book of Revelation as doom and gloom and apocalypse and death. And as I said, that is for Satan, for his minions, for the apostates. But for us, again, it is gospel. And that's the lie of Satan. Turning gospel into law, turning it into death where there is life. And for you and I, there is life. In the first interlude of Revelation in chapter 7, and again later in 14, we see a vision of the church triumphant. All of the people of God, all of these are we, they, who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, and never will they hunger, never will they thirst. No scorching heat will beat upon them, and the Lamb who is on his throne will shepherd them and lead them to streams of living water, and with his own hand he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Where's the doom and gloom in that? Where's the death and judgment in that? For you and for me and for all those who have washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, we have a glimpse of our glory. John saw himself as one of the four elders, or one of the four creatures. Those four creatures that have different heads, ox and, and man and lion and beast and all this. Those are the four evangelists. Those are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're not actually these weird creatures. They're the evangelists. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have 24 elders. 12 from the tribes of Israel. 12, the 12 apostles. All of the people of God. In apocalyptic literature, 12 is the number of the church, of the church of God in Jesus Christ. Twelve Old Testament tribes. Twelve thousand from each of the twelve tribes equal 144,000. In chapter 7, we first see the ceiling of 144,000, not meaning that there's only going to be 144,000 saved, nor is there only going to be 144,000 in the highest seventh heaven. No. It is the entirety of all Old Testament believers being sealed in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the Old Testament that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, fulfilled in the root of Jesse, the son of David, and David's Lord, Jesus Christ. We got the, then that picture of that church triumphant a number beyond reckoning, being sealed in the blood of the Lamb, the New Testament church, you and us. Again, we see that number, 144,000 in chapter 14. And again, it's not the literalistic number of only 144,000 being saved, but this time it is the union of all of the Old Testament believers, all of the New Testament believers, everybody together being saved being given the crown of everlasting life by grace through faith in our conquering hero, Jesus Christ. I could go on and on and on and on about Revelation. It is the story of our exodus. Our exodus from a land of slavery to sin, to death, to Satan, 
that number of the beast, that triumvirate, 666, sin, death, Satan, Jesus, God, Lucifer claims to be the bright morning star. That's what Lucifer means. There's only one bright morning star. Jesus himself calls himself, I am the bright morning star. Not you, Lucifer. I am the bright morning star. Satan's the usurper. He is one short of God. If seven is the number of perfection, then what misses the mark? Six by one. Sin is defined as missing the mark. We miss it. Even by one, it leads to hell under the letter of the law. Satan and death. Death misses life by one. Six, six, six is sin, death, and Satan. And it's our conquering hero. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the very sin of the world, that saves you, that saves me, that gives us Easter joy and victory, that equips us to fight the good fight of the faith, not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of darkness in this present evil age in the, in the cosmos. And we have a promise that he will behold, make all things new. Everything new. We long for this day. This final day of the Lord is not a day of doom and gloom for you and me. It is the day of triumph. It is the day of culmination. It is the day of consummation of everything that we believe, everything we teach, everything that we confess. And that is what we say, as Jesus himself says at the end of Revelation, Behold, the one who testifies to these things says, I am coming soon. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now I'm going to play for you three joyous, triumphal Easter songs. Uh, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring by J.S. Bach. Indeed, for us believers, Jesus is the joy of our deepest desires. And then I will play Alleluia, Alleluia, Hearts to Heaven and Voices Raised to Beethoven's uh, Ode to Joy from his Ninth Symphony. And then I will do a, an original uh, composition along with that that branches and variates off of that that I call um, A Joyful Sound. And then I will uh, end with In Thee Is Gladness, which is number 818, because in Jesus is all gladness, dispels all sadness. So here we go. I'll start with Hazu, Joy of Man's Desiring. Hopefully I can get through this today. <laughs> My eyes, allergy eyes, you see. They're, they're really acting up today. So anyway, here we go.
now receive the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look with favor upon you and grant you his everlasting peace. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.